0: So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Emuchistegi and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchasteghi and welcome to the beginning of March, February 2021 is over. And this is one of those special podcasts where we go through and we give you just a few minutes of the best parts of all of the podcasts we did in February. So you can go back and decide if there's one that you want to listen to again. And we had some great podcasts in February. February was really strange for me. So a lot of you guys know we live out in Texas and it's like we lost a whole week of the month, maybe a week and a half because of the, the big, crazy freeze, crazy weather, such a strange time out here. And so like business out here just came to a standstill for a week and a half, uh, while the rest of the, the US, I don't think the same thing was happening. So it was, it was pretty wild and crazy as I was canceling meetings with people uh, from other places and they were going, what do you mean you don't have internet? What do you mean you don't have phone? Yeah, the whole state, like half the state, people didn't, didn't have electricity, didn't have phone, didn't even have internet. And if you ask my kids, that is one of the toughest things to have to deal with. So they are glad that February is over and hoping for a lot better weather in March as we really start finishing up the first quarter of 2021. That's kind of crazy to say. we got one month left to finish off the quarter, first quarter for 2021. So how are you guys doing on your efforts? So first podcast of the month, episode 950. Here's a couple minutes of my interview with Jess Lavelle. From Listing Lab, I'm sure a lot of people are going to reach out to you and say, "What? How does this work? Yeah. What are you doing? How are you teaching people?" So, what is Listing's Lab?
1: So, the Listing Lab is is based around a methodology of three major pillars: relevancy, omnipresence, and intimacy. And it's a marketing it's a marketing program. So, it's really a marketing mentorship program to get agents from six to seven figures. So, that's kind of our like our tagline. You know, I help. Six-figure agents get to seven figures by creating relationships at scale. So there's not a lot of, well, there's no kind of like your typical spammy marketing stuff. We use both organic and paid traffic. So both your organic social media stuff, which I think a lot of people don't realize what the potential is from organic social media. Most of the people who go through our programs are doing an extra three to 10 deals a month, purely organically, no money behind it. And then and then you add kind of fuel to the fire with the paid traffic and it becomes unlimitedly scalable. So the systems that we use are very much geared around nine different types of content, a nine point psychological journey to take someone from stranger to client in an automated way.
0: Do you have any basic like marketing principles for agents that you like would recommend people focus on as they're starting to just get into marketing?
1: Absolutely. So the number one rule of thumb is it's not about you. And your content is not for you. 90% of realtors out there are creating content for other real realtors without even realizing it. So like they're sharing things that resonate with them. And if something resonates with you, that's about goal setting and the grind and like, you know, creating a better life and all these things, those are things that are going to resonate with other agents, which is why so many people have these audiences on Facebook and Instagram and things like that, that are mostly agents. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the truth really is, is you got to focus in on who do you want to serve and what do they need? So every single day, instead of asking yourself, what do I want to post today? You say to yourself, what does my ideal client, what is that target person that is the the ideal person that I want to work with? What do they need to hear today?
0: All right. There's a lot of great stuff from Jess. Again, if you want to go hear her again, that's episode 950 Real Estate Marketing Principles to Live By with Jess Lenevelle. Next up, episode 952. This is a great interview I did with Garrett Maroon. He says, close one deal per week as a part-time real estate agent. So someone wants to build a referral-based business, right? They're in their first year or they're in their second year or they've been beating this for a few years and they're saying, hey, instead of door knocking, I wanna to try to do this new plan. What's the path? What do, they, what do they do first? How do they make sure that they build that referral-based business and what sort of traction should they expect?
2: The first thing, if you're if you're a newer agent, this is what I would do. I would get in a room by myself, I would shut down my computer, my phone. Believe it or not, the world's not going to explode. And I would write down a hundred names of people that I know. Just a hundred names. And I know that seems like a lot, but trust me, from the people that you've met to anybody, just get a hundred names on paper. And then you're going to go about asking those people this particular question. You're going to reach out and say, Hey, Aaron, this is Garrett. How are you doing? Hey, I didn't know if you knew or not, but I got into real estate. And I just wanted you to know that I'm planning on building my business by caring for the people that I care about most like you. So, and this is the most important dialogue. So I was wondering if you had an, excuse me, if you had a friend or family member thinking of buying or selling a home, do you have an agent you'd refer them to? If the answer is yes, great. I'm super excited for you. I hope they take great care of you. They don't go in your database because guess what? They're not going to help you. If the great. answer is no, well, I'd love to stay in touch with you and be that agent that you can refer to friends and family. Is that all right with you? And of course, they're going to say yes, right? Then you get phone, phone number, email, home address. And then now you're starting to build a database of people that have said they're actually going to help you grow and commit to sending you referrals. That's first and foremost. And then once you figure that out, to me, then you've got to have just a systematic way to build relationships. So what what I've figured out and I'm still figuring out along the way is that I created something for myself that is just systematically
0: staying in touch with people. Your coaching course is your coaching course about how to build a referral business?
2: Yeah, mostly. So right now what we have, we offer people an action plan. So the perfect 36 touch system for me is just my systematic way that I stay in touch with people and build relationships and ultimately generate a lot of referrals. You sign up. Uh, And every single month you get the mailer, the email to send out. You get the exact touch to make the personal touch, whether it's a call, a note, a party, whatever it is. Here's what to say. Here's a suggested calendar of when to do it. Here's everything that comes with it. They get a back-end access to four hours of video training so they can see the actual class. They can see a truncated class. A lot of other content of me just talking about different what a database is, for example. So a lot of training and content. We send a weekly encouragement video and then a monthly workshop. And I will tell you a quick story. I remember being in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm sharing with this, this large group of agents. And a lady in the back just starts crying. And I pause and I say, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you mind sharing me why you're crying? And she says, you know, Garrett, I've been in the business for a year and everyone tells me the only way to do it is cold call. So I come in every day and I cold call and I cold call and I cold call. And she said, you know what? Quite honestly, it's not working, but most importantly, I hate it. And I always wanted to do by relationship, but it wasn't until I heard what you shared and how you do it that I actually believe that I can. That's what I didn't even have an action plan until that point. That's what made me say, you know what? There are people like that that need help. And I want to help them figure out, you know what? You can do real estate your way. You can do it by relationship. It's absolutely possible. My own CEO in my office told me it's not possible. Well, I went in and maybe I was just young and naive, which is probably true. And I said, I'm going to figure it out. I want to help other agents say, if that's who you are, if you are a relational agent. And it doesn't have to be only by referral, but you want to grow the relationships and build the database and have more referrals than you've ever had before and work in a better way. Have a higher rate of return on your money, right? I've spent very little on marketing, have a higher rate of return on your money, higher rate of return on your time, and then go home for me. I just want to go home and be with my family. If you want to do that, we can help you. We can help you figure that out. We can help you do that. And so that's my heart behind this. I want to help agents understand that at the end of the day, they can have a successful business and they can have a successful family life. They don't have to pick one or the other. And that's really the heart behind helping agents understand this is what we want you to do, make it really simple. It's the easy button to real estate, make it really simple, press the button, do exactly like we tell you to, it's not gonna take a lot of time. And I promise you, your business is gonna start growing, your relationships
0: are gonna start growing. So that's really the heart behind everything. Yeah, and their, and their happiness you know, starts to yes. grow too. All right, if you like that one, remember to go back and listen to episode 952 with Garrett Maroon. So much good stuff in that interview. We had a bunch of fun. All right, next up, episode 953. I had a great interview with Jay Pitts. Jay and I had so much fun talking. We started our real estate careers in kind of the same time many, many years ago, but different parts of the US. So it was really fun to be able to compare what's happening then to what's happening now and all the principles along the way. You know, one of my favorite quotes that he had when I was talking to him, he said, the difference between good and great is discipline. And that sure reminded me of what I need to focus my life on. But here's a few minutes of that episode, 953 with Jay Pitts. Yeah, what is one thing that someone would have told you about real estate your first year? Or if you could go back and tell yourself one thing, what advice would you give yourself about, about real estate?
3: it's not how little you spend, it's how much you keep that matters. So you could rephrase that. You could say, you gotta spend money to make money, right? For, for me, I spent the early part of my career pinching pennies. I was incredibly frugal, I was incredibly stressed, I was overworked personally. I put too much on my own shoulders, on my own back. I'm good at that, right? you go back and listen to that episode with my dad you'll you'll hear that in his voice like that's what he taught us he taught us how to work and that was the answer you know nobody can ever take your work ethic away from you yeah right they can take everything you have every monetary possession that you ever accumulate but they can't take away your will to work if you have your will to work you'll always be okay and that, that's true but there is a moment Where there's like an inflection point when you've had a little bit of success, where if you continue to do the same things that you've always done, you put yourself under a lot of undue stress. And I did that. I did that to myself. I did it to my family. I did it to my kids. I did it to my wife. And I wish I would have been more comfortable allowing others to help me sooner.
0: So what do you think for 2021, if you were going to like you coach your agents, you give them advice, you have your own podcast, if you're going to say this is how you're going to succeed in 2021, is it stick to the plan or is it what any extra advice you give them for 2021?
3: So, we had our team retreat a couple weeks ago. So for me, you may see this, I talked in the way that I talked about, you know, resilience and grace. For for me, words are incredibly important. Mm -hmm. The meaning of words are very important. Having certain like we have we have we have a team a phrase we we like to call it right team right time like that that's reflective to me is that i have the right people in place for the right opportunity to make big things happen what i told the team though was the two buzzwords for our retreat this year for 2021 were context and discipline that's it so context is about knowing what you want having a clear picture about what you're trying to achieve. And it's different for everybody as a collective, our team is really looking for a monster year in terms of growth, both in agent count, volume, transaction sides, all of it. We were looking for that in 2020. We got it in an unexpected way. So what I basically did was flip it back to where I was in, in December, January, 19 to 20, that rollover from 19 to 20, And said, okay, this year should be a little more predictable. Mm -hmm. And if it's a little more predictable than 2020, where is our ceiling? Okay, what do we want? Okay, and honestly, for me, the difference between good and great is always discipline. That's how you get from good to great is discipline. We all know the things we should do that we're not, we all know our individual failings. We can give ourselves grace, but still understand. Where we failed, and all I'm asking for from my team is just an ounce more of discipline, just an ounce more. That's
0: it. Just move the needle some. That's it. The, the difference between good and great is discipline. That is uh, that's an incredible quote. The I, I really really like that. All right. And if you like that one as much as I did, remember that was a few minutes of episode 953 with Jay Pitts. Next up, here's a couple of minutes to of stay of the market 67 where Kelly Skevel and I talked a lot about the real estate market real estate news we talked about you know crazy eviction bans and things that might be going for the next couple years in certain markets and ways uh, that you can use the real estate news to impact your business here we go sb 5160 extending the governor's eviction ban for two years and permanently altering the process. So just a couple weeks ago, they were voting on this. I don't know what the results of it yet, but it was absolutely terrifying. They'd be uh, considering something as it says, absolutely absolutely terrifying as an investor, as a landlord, or even as a real estate agent, because it says the 5160 would prohibit landlords from terminating or refusing to renew a lease that expires at the end of the lease. So just like, hey, you had a one-year lease, at the end of the lease, you say, okay, you're moving out. You can no longer say you're moving out. It presumes that any no cause termination notice issued to a tenant for any unpaid rent that accrued between March 1st and the end isn't valid. So March 1st, 2020. So somebody stops paying in April of 2020. You can't actually evict them for that until the moratorium ban ends two years from now. So a, a renter could actually live in your house as a landlord for two years, nine months, having never paid. And I mean, this article that got sent out. So, so if you're up in Washington, check out SB 5160, but it says it prohibits landlord from even inquiring about considering or requiring a disclosure for you know, making sure that they have, you know, that, that they pay their rent. It's, it says before any collection action for unpaid rent accrued, it has to be for rent before March 1st. You have to allow repayment plans and you can't even reach out to them to insist that they pay rent so you can't even not that you can't file eviction but they don't want you calling to say like hey you still haven't paid your rent could you imagine if something like that get that is that the most extreme example you've heard? it's the most extreme establish. example i've heard
4: the repercussions of this right so like so these landlords are not going to be able to make their mortgage payments right they're going to run out of if they have reserves they're going to run run through those reserves in almost three years and then but then they can't It'll be difficult for them to put it on the market and sell it because there's non-paying tenants in there for potentially another two years. There's gonna be more foreclosures. Like it just, there's like so many far reaching uh, issues.
0: Yeah, it's, it seems like such an extreme example and, a, and an extreme plan that I can't imagine how, I can't imagine how it plays out. Do you have anything, do you have any other happy articles? Any other fun articles, <laughs> what, do, what do you got?
4: Do I have any happy, let me see. Let's talk, um, so this is one that I really, this is a subject that I've been really liking. It's the one on um, housing economy, bright spot, but regulatory affordability challenges persist. This one uh, speaks a little bit more about like the new, the the new construction and new builds and, you know, what kind of what that's looking like. And they talk about, you know, how the this, this single family homes generated strong price gains in 2020. Even though there was price gains, uh, while supply side pressures such as resurgent lumber prices, a shortage of buildable lots, inconsistent access to building materials, and a regional skilled labor deficit foreshadow higher costs and longer build times this this year in 2021. A changing regulatory landscape threatens to further erode housing affordability and make the tight inventory environment worse. So this is interesting to me because uh, as a real estate agent, with my buyers getting into these bidding wars and really having to go way over their comfort level and like purchase prices. I've been actually talking to clients where it makes sense that we're, we've been looking for vacant lots building. Mm-hmm. and building Now all of our builders are backed up into the builders that I work with are now backed up into next year. They're scheduling into 2022 <laughs> and it's yeah. February.
0: All right. Remember, if you liked that one, go back and listen to Stay the Market 67 for the rest of my interview with Kelly Skevel as we talked about the news real estate rock stars. this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now rent ready it can be fun getting a new real estate deal but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself that's why we're here to tell you about rent ready rent ready is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform but they also have the best customer service support in the biz They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything, unlimited properties, tenants and support with a real life human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many comments. They aren't going to punish you when you grow. They're not going to charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're going to charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, RentReady. R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, RentReady is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $54. Use code R O C K S T A R 50. That's Rockstar 50. And sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. Again, R E N T R E D I.com with code Rockstar50 to get rent ready for only $54. Next up, episode 954. Cash flow is king. How to profit through any financial downturn. This is my interview with Craig Curlop. He's a real estate agent and investor. And he became an agent just to help him as an investor. And now he sells investments to other people. Listen to this, hear a lot about his niche. You've been an active agent for a couple of years. And so I guess one of the big things I would say is, hey, don't discount being a specialized niche agent and investor because yeah. Craig did 90 something deals this year. And the and he just got his license a couple of years ago, and you're a young guy, and you started with people that were first-time home buyers, and your niche ended up really helping you break through up there. I mean, your numbers were huge. There's a lot of people that had great 2020s, but the but not very many people that have been agents for two years that had great 2020s, mm-hmm. right? Like that was that was one of the, the unique things. The people that were doing great before crushed it last year. The people that were just getting started had a really rough year. So there's something to be said about just. Investing and niching, but what what advice would you give a new agent right now, or do you wish someone would have told you when you got started? Like, what have you learned something in real estate that you're like, oh, I wish I'd have done this instead?
5: Well, I guess one thing I wish I would have done instead is, you know, we're creating a team now, so I would wish I probably started the team thing earlier because I did run myself ragged last year. However, uh, as a new agent, especially if you want to niche out in like an investor type approach. You wanna make sure that you're documenting your stuff and you wanna put it on social media and you wanna, you know, if you've got a newsletter, send it out to your clients, let them know what deals you're doing, they're doing in Denver. I mean, I've got a lot of clients that were just like, How much can you cash flow in Denver? Like, how are you getting a thousand dollars a month in cash flow like on all of these deals? Like, is it too good to be true? And we're like, no, I can point to like 35 deals where we're cash flowing a thousand dollars or more, right? It's very easy, very consistent. You just have to be a little bit creative. And you know, you tell them. I just tell them, hey, this is what you have to do to cash flow that much. And these are areas you have to be in. And people get pretty excited about it. And then they start telling their friends and really just kind of spirals from there.
0: So sharing your wins and sharing how good of a deal it was really helped people start asking you. And you you mentioned a newsletter plus social media. What do you think is going to be the number one way for agents to succeed in 2021?
5: you know, as you guys say, if you're continued, if you're successful now, if you consider yourself successful now, I would say, continue doing what you're doing and maybe just double down on it. Right. Also, a lot of it is going to be, people are going to speculate and think there's going to be this stock market crash and this, you know, real estate crash that's going to happen. And you really just have to tell them, especially if you're an investor-minded agent that like, it does not matter what the market does right the market we, we're going to make sure that your property cash flows you when the market's up when the market's down and when the market stays the same so no matter what happens you never are in a position where you're forced to sell and you explain to them that the people in 2008 lost so much money because they were it wasn't the people that were buying cash flow right those are those right. guys are very rich right now the guys that lost all their money are the guys that were 125, getting loans, 125% LTV, right? The guys that are flipping and trying to make a quick buck that didn't know what they were doing. And really just the inexperienced folks is who, who lost a lot of money in real estate back 2008. And so yeah. you kind of put that all into perspective and also the whole thing where, you know, people that people think real estate's going to go down because it went down, you know, 10 years ago in the last recession, I mean, before that, real estate hadn't really gone down significantly since like the 1930s, right? Despite the fact the stock market had multiple recessions since then. And you look at this whole COVID thing and who it's impacting, right? It's impacting mostly, you know, bartenders, waiters, right? Kind of people that don't make a lot of money on paper who can't afford to buy houses anyway, right? It's mostly the renters that are being affected. And so to think that real estate is going to have anywhere near of a a impact as it did in 2008, I think is foolish. And maybe it drops a little bit, or maybe it slows a little bit. But again, cash flow is king.
0: All right. If you want to hear more of that, remember that was Craig Curlop, episode 954. Next up, episode 955. Here's a couple minutes of my interview with my good friend, Justin Donald, you know, he has a, a new book out. He's talking about the commandments of cash flow investing. He's a lifestyle investor. Here's a couple minutes of that one. Our listeners are really great at getting deals. Our listeners are really great at being agents at creating income we've talked about, you know, being able to invest in real estate, like buy some rentals or buy some businesses. We had Cody Sanchez on here talking about how to buy like a business for sale, you know, and diversify that way. There's a lot of different options for people out there. But I think some of the pushback people will say is they kind of picture investors as well, people need to be making just so much money to become an investor. You know, they may imagine like, oh, I need to have like hundreds of thousands in savings before I become an investor. Maybe that is the truth. Is that the truth? Like, does someone need to have a certain amount of, of, of money and savings to be able to become an investor? What was your first investment you did?
6: Sure. I mean, I think that could it help if someone has money to invest? Sure. But is that does that mean if they don't that they can't? Not at all. You know, I think there's a lot of creativity that exists and there are ways to structure deals where you don't have to put any money down and you can still get some sort of, you know, action in a deal. And so, you know, when I think about like being a real estate agent and and, you know, really in that space number one, you're you've got an expertise in an area where you can also invest. A lot of people don't have that. You know, when I became a, a manager with with Cutco, it wasn't like I could just invest in Cutco as an investment opportunity. You know that didn't exist. So I worked really hard to make as much as I could and then save as much as I could, so I could invest it into different areas. And so for a while, you know, I, I worked hard to build up investments. But what I realized later is that I never really even needed needed to do that. That if you have a good investment, you'll find the money for it. Because investors are always looking for a good deal. And the same is true in the world of a single family home or other types of real estate. If it's a good investment, people will find a way to invest in that deal if they know about it. So I've structured many deals over the years that have been little down or no down or just a unique structure where I paid over a period of time off of you know, profit that the business generated.
0: What's the most important commandment in
6: there? Oh, man, what a tough question. You know, the the very first commandment is lifestyle first. And the whole book is about getting clear on what lifestyle you want. So I would say that everything starts and ends there because, you know, so if you want to make sure you don't lose money, well, maybe commandment two of reduce the risk is the most important. But to me, the reason I put lifestyle first as the you know kind of the the gatekeeper is because i want to have investments that help me live a great life i want to stop trading time for money i want to stop living life out of fear or out of being a slave to you know either the business the Job uh, security. I just I don't want to be handcuffed to anything, right? I don't want the golden handcuffs. I don't want to be shackled to my lifestyle and not be able to leave a job or leave my business because it costs me too much to live. I, I don't want that. And so the whole idea of lifestyle first was creating a vision of what you want your life to look like. What is ideal? Uh, I even have in there like a checklist of different things that would be freedoms to experience, freedom of impact, freedom of relationship, freedom of time, freedom of, I mean, there's just tons of different elements there, but it's really getting clear instead of living life on autopilot and just reacting and responding all the time. It's more about taking time to get clear on what you want and then focus on living that and, you know, spending the time to build a life by design.
0: All right, if you liked that one, that was episode 955 with Justin Donald. Next up, here's a couple of minutes from State of the Market 68. But the what I wanna say of all of the interviews we did this month, this one was jam-packed with more value than any podcast we've had in a long time. It wasn't just with one person. I interviewed five different real estate rock stars out there, people that are crushing it all over the US, and we talked about all the secrets to get offers accepted. If you've got, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to listen to that whole one, if there's only one that you missed in February you need to go back to, you need to go back and listen to State of the Market 68. But you don't have to take my word for it. Here's a few minutes of that one. What's the number one trick or strategy you're using right now to get your offers accepted? We were fortunate enough between two of us to get five buyers under contract in a week last week, which is really tough right now. So we're proud of that. The biggest thing that people neglect, I think, is is actually talking to the agent. I know it sounds crazy to anyone who's a half decent agent to not talk to the agent. As a listing agent, I see so many offers from the same agents to week to week. If I list a property that's similar and they can put another offer in, they never even call. They're just shooting it across the hip. If you do not call the other agent to try and get any kind of insight about the seller situation that they're permissible, they can permissibly tell you um, you're not doing your client the service they deserve.
6: The first thing I would say is stop looking at list price like it even matters. We're trying to remove that from our vocabulary on the team. We don't say things like over list. It's it's an arbitrary term that has nothing to do with the way that the market is right now. It, agents often list their house way less than they know it's going to sell for. And sometimes they list it way higher than, it's going to, than it should sell for. You got to get your client off of thinking that way. The baseline for what a house is worth should not be the list price. Um, and and if they can get past that, it makes it much easier to write for you're actually going to get. Because what buyers think is they're competing with the seller. I want to write a low offer. He wants a high offer. Let's see who wins. But they're not they're competing with the 14 other buyers that want that house. And if you don't want it more than the other 13, then there is no reason to go try and get that one. Just move on to the next one. So what we do is we talk to listing agent and say, what price will get this done right now?
3: Echo what David said
6: is, is negotiations. You got to ask, right? And then you got to ask and shut your mouth, right? Because it, sometimes agents <clears throat> tend to talk themselves in and out of deals. So you say, hey, when I get a call from somebody, no, no, what Elliot said is correct. Like 80% of the agents don't even call you right you're like an agent that's moving a ton of inventory they don't call but the agent that calls if they were to say hey Daniel what's your highest offer and they shut their mouth I, I will most likely tell them right mm-hmm. but they don't they're like trying to beat around the bush and sometimes I think it's kind of funny of like man just ask me come on just ask me I'll tell you you know it's Like a first um, because like David said our job is to get our, our client the most we can for it right so that's that's something that that number one, you can't overlook that. Yeah, of course, no contingencies when it comes down to to uh, appraisal, making up appraisal differences. You know, reducing your inspection periods or eliminating them.
1: Single families outside of the city, average of ten percent over asking. Condos is different. Um, I have a couple condos uh, in Boston proper, either under agreement for full list or slightly below. Um, so it's just totally two different markets. And then in the single family market. You know, if you're not waiving inspection right now, you're not even getting in the conversation. At the end of the day, we submit an offer waiving appraisal because of the fact that I asked the seller if she had the previous inspection. And I was trying to build as much rapport as possible. And that is super important now. So she sent us the inspection report from a year ago or something and that allowed my client to feel comfortable to submit an offer waiving inspections right so maybe they may not be online like on the mls or something by by building rapport and asking the right questions that can be something that might be able to help a buyer be able to submit a an offer especially without inspections and all that stuff other than that everything else that everybody has said really really good ideas from that perspective
0: All right, that was a few minutes of State of the Market 68. And like I said before I did that intro, if there's one podcast from February that you need to go back and listen to for sure, if you miss and you only have time to get one, it's gonna be State of the Market 68. Because we had five guests, five superstars, all sharing their knowledge, jam-packed info in such a short amount of time. So that is it for today's summary of February podcast for the best of for february so again we got one month left in the first quarter of 2021 i hope you go make it a great one thanks for listening real estate rock stars we'll talk to you soon all right real estate rock stars this is aaron mucostegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show